0: Alright, before we jump in, I just want to talk about how I just found out that Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Virgin are romantic comedies, and uh, Dave has enlightened me to that.
1: Yeah that's, uh... <laughs> <Keep> going, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah, that's just you not paying attention to the story. Um, if it's about a, a romance, it's a romantic comedy. Like, it kind of seems obvious. Yeah, I had
0: it pegged as a stoner comedy this entire time. So, that's how I viewed it. It's just like, people are smoking weed. The people who watch those movies were probably smoking weed. So, I'm like, stoner comedy. The romance is like, not the focus of the movie, in my mind.
1: I think it's just a romantic comedy that was done properly. It's actually funny instead of it being cheesy and
0: corny. Yeah, I and mean, I also just got criticized for not having IMDb on my phone. Like, that was a nesse- like a necessary app. So, I don't know about anybody else, but... IMDb is not something that I'm looking to keep on my phone for quick access. Google works just as quickly for me.
1: That's not true. It can't be true. Also, IMDb has stuff. It's like It's got upcoming movies and trailers. and So if I'm looking at what... I like watching the movies a lot. So if I like seeing what's coming up, I'd scroll on, there's a list of what this comes out on this date, this comes out on this date, and there's a trailer for everything. It's all right there. I don't see the point of jumping around Googling everything.
0: Well, if you ever Googled it, you'd see that it has, like, all the movies they've been in. They have Overview. They have, like, upcoming movies. They also have trailers. So Google is just looking at Corner, the market, on IMDb. And so that will bring us to what we're going to talk about first, which is this Black Widow movie where... I have not seen it, so Dave's going to try really hard to talk about it without spoiling things for me.
1: I also haven't seen it.
0: Well, we're not going to talk about Black Widow, <laughs> aside from the fact that we're both MCU fans.
1: Well, I we heard co- it was bad.
0: Uh, that's disappointing, because I was hoping that this would be a better movie with a female Marvel character lead um, than the criticism that Captain Marvel has had. And So that's something that we've been talking about off the pod, and how... Captain Marvel and how she's portrayed in the movies and her role compared to how she's portrayed in the comic books and what they're going to do with that.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not well versed in the comics. I just see the movies. The movie was okay. Uh, Brie Larson isn't my favorite. Um, but according to this TikTok video, I saw, um, yeah, she does a bunch of annoying shit. That it's like seems like she does a lot of stuff to, um, like uh, be more harmful. Like, lets her ego take over and does things that seem to harm, do more harm than good.
0: Alright, that's fair. Would you say that other superheroes have done stuff like that? Like perhaps Peter Quill in Infinity War where they could defeat Thanos and then he can't control himself and his ego gets in the way?
1: Well, I would say I found that incredibly annoying to be perfectly honest with you. That really pissed me off in that movie. But I would say that was driven more by grief than ego.
0: That's fair. I, I I would say that Male superheroes get a pass on a lot of this stuff that like perhaps Captain Marvel is not getting a pass on. Well,
1: I I don't I don't know what you're implying, but there's a very clear event that happens right before Peter Quill makes that terrible decision whereas and like I said, I don't know the stories of these comics at all. I just saw one guy talk about it. But they kept, like, this one example was Tony kept saying, no, we got to, don't go, It seems like a trap. We shouldn't go in, we shouldn't go in. And then she took, like, the whole fucking Avengers in, and they all got murdered. And
0: So do you think that, so, like, when I see Captain Marvel, I think that she's, like, this super powerful superhero, and she kind of just, like, handpicks when she appears. But, like, we have no idea what she's doing when she's gone. So does that make her
1: more impressive or less impressive? I think less impressive because well, it's not impressive. is the the wrong word. I maybe I relate more to superheroes who have a struggle, like things that just come crazy easy to people. Like I don't find Superman to be a compelling character. Captain Marvel is basically a female Superman in Marvel. Um, like, my favorite superheroes, one in calling a superheroes kind of a stretch is Batman, who has obviously a very dark and tormented past. Of being rich, so it's pretty. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, there's that. Um, but yeah, and I, don't, I can't even think off the top of my head what my other favorites are, but like, I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily attracted to the, like, the awe of what they can do. I like the story. So if it's just something that seems too easy, then I don't find it interesting.
0: Yeah, we just found out that Dave reads Playboys for the articles, not
1: for the pictures. (laughs) So then, like, do you like The Punisher, then? I like the movie. I didn't see the TV show.
0: So are you, like, is that the kind of comic book character that you're more into then? The guys that, or the women that, or the people that have, like, something like that, that they're working from, not necessarily, like, a superpower? Like, Batman has no superpowers, aside from being rich and smart. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't know. Like, because I, I find, um, I almost a one to six. Honda Maximoff to be, I had to say her last name because I butchered a, con, a trivia a question about her name. Um, I found her, like, her her story and her powers all combined are very compelling, even if, well, and then, um, yeah, I don't know, I just, like, this was, topic came up because we were talking about Endgame, and I didn't like that she that it seemed as though um, Captain Marvel was kind of showed up and all the problems were solved and it just seemed like if she'd shown up like ten minutes earlier like hundreds of lives would have been saved. And it just seemed like a cheat code to end to like finish off Thanos. Right, and like I guess like my knowledge of comic books is like
0: that she is someone who's like planet like intergalactic so like she's not only helping earth but she's helping like tons of other planets so the fact that she comes in when she does come in i'm like well what else was more important than this that she was doing away from earth before like thanos snapped like she obviously didn't know that was happening she doesn't have like precognition or like clairvoyance right that's not part of her skill set or her powers it's like where was she and like, what was she doing that, like, she was not being told or being informed that Thanos was collecting the Infinity Stones?
1: Right. So, my, criti- uh, my criticism isn't of her in Endgame, because she is what she is. My criticism is, like, the writing. So, it's sloppy writing. Yeah, like I said, it seems like a cheat code. Like, they were battling, they were going back and forth, and then all of a sudden she shows up and... Overpowers, and it just seemed like, <clears throat> yeah, it seemed like it's just an easy way to end it. So what do you? So what do you think about
0: how Thanos gets the uh, what stone is it on Vision's head? The, oh, I can't remember the Yellowstone for for uh, interest sake. Like, do you think that that was sloppy? That like they worked so hard to like keep him at bay, and then. Wanda destroys it and, it like, destroys her, like, love. And then, like, he's just, like, actually, I'm just going to rewind time and get it. Like, for me, that scene, like, in the moment, I was, like, oh, that's a badass move. And then, like, when I look back at it, I was, like, but, like, they did all this work. Like, this, like, 45-minute fight scene about, like, keeping him at bay. And they do it. And then he's, like, actually, though, I'm just going to rewind time. Like, that scene,
1: like, it was a little sloppy to me. Yeah, but you have to – if he's gathering all these stones – he has to use them, right? Like, he got those time stone, so he, the, the ability to manipulate time is part of the package. So do you think
0: that they could, well, they're obviously trying to get to, like, the end game, get it. Um, but, like, I feel like then, like, Doctor Strange doesn't use the time stone very well at all because he could just but rewind he, time and make all the changes that we would need to make. And then there's like the alternate universe stuff, the like all the deviations after the fact from those events. So I suppose that is their right. uh, their loop closing for me.
1: Right. But he has to be careful. He has the knowledge of what's going to happen. He can't just say, like he wouldn't tell Tony what had to be done. Right. Like, he he can't manipulate it like that because by manipulating it, he's changing everything. So he has to play, like, the long game. He can't just be like, oh, that didn't work this time, so I'll just do this. Because by doing that, then you don't know the butterfly effect of how you affect... Well, he does, I guess, but, like...
0: Yeah, well, I think comic mo- comic book movies in general are going to be sloppy because they don't have the same time that comic book series do to flesh out these details.
1: What are you talking about? Like Four consecutive three-hour movies wasn't enough to... no. <laughs>
0: Like I feel like the whole like the Avengers themselves in like that comic book series like has like hundreds, if not thousands, of issues that like they go through all of these arcs where like the Avengers themselves in like are like the Ma- the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's what four movies right to cover like hundreds or thousands of story arcs. Like they chose this specific one, right? Like they could have chosen any of the Avengers story arcs, and like that's the one they chose. Right. like even some of the things that they played on in the movies, like when Iron Man and Captain America don't get along. Right. Like that's an entire series or like the Hulk and Thor. Right. Like that's an entire series. Um, Even even Iron Man and and Hulk. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like where they're fighting in that gladiators arena. Like there's always been a conflict in the comic books between Thor and Hulk for whatever reason, they pair them together. Well, there you go. See, so you, you, you're picking up on the themes there, right? Or the same thing with, like, Iron Man. Well, they Man. only said it,
1: like, 70 times in the movie.
0: Well, there you go. I don't pay attention to that part. Uh, or, like, even Iron Man and the Hulk, right? Mm. It's like... Is there something else I can... <laughs> so, so my Apple Watch just up like some of that talk. That's our top, guest
1: for this market. Yeah,
0: hey, Siri. <laughs> um, but what I was saying is, like, yeah, like, Iron Man and the Hulk fight off. Like, they have a huge series. Like, obviously, we see the Hulkbuster suit. So... Which he ends up, in the movies, ends up just being for him. Right. But in the the comic books, and even in the movie, right? Like, he's it's built it, right, to keep him in uh, in place. And so, like, they, they, they just cherry-picked a lot of the stuff that, like, they're most famous for. Right? Even the idea, like, they're lucky they got Spider-Man in it. Because Spider-Man, for a long time, wasn't going to be part of it. But some of these other conflicts, like, between the major Avengers, like, they're just the common storylines and they didn't go very deep into them. So like, yeah, like you mentioned Ragnarok, the same idea, right? Like there are hundreds of issues of like, just like Thor and the Hulk that they could use in the future. And like, we don't know what they're going to do. I'm curious to know what they're going to do with like the Avengers. Cause so many of them have left now. And so like what they're going to just not go back to that group. Now they're going to go to all these other groups that are super obscure. Like that's where I'm like, well, I have no idea, because they're doing this next one with, like, Angelina Jolie and, like, Camille Nangiani. I forget the yeah, name. I
1: fucking hate that Angelina Jolie's in this fucking universe now.
0: Well, there's so many people that are in there now that I'm like, oh, you've got a piece of it. Right? Like, even, like, some, like, credible actor, like, Robert Downey Jr. is, like, the centerpiece. And, like, when you look at his body of work before this, like, I never would have thought he'd be the superhero. For yeah. like a generation. And he did it, right? Um,
1: but I never had, I never disliked Robert Dungeon. right? I dislike Angelina Jolie.
0: Like as an actress, like her skill set? Or like because like you think you find
1: her to be annoying? All of it. I don't enjoy any of her movies. And I find her... None of them? Not really. Mr.
0: and Mrs. Smith?
1: That's okay. I
0: was like, that's a good one. Salt's a good one. Other than that's the <clears> where she's
1: like like hypers like like she, hyper, like, she can like bend them. bullets and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah it's like matrix other other than the scene where she gets out of the hot tub and you see like her bare back like I don't, I don't care about it. that's too bad
0: well I just don't see her as a superhero like she tried the Tomb Raider thing and it didn't really work out yeah that's, that's just terrible so we'll see it's like uh, casting Ben Affleck is Batman. Well, I can feel that way, then. What about Robert Pattinson as Batman?
1: I feel like he'll be much better. Really? I really do. No way. I'm very willing to give him all the chances.
0: No, I, I'm not. I'm not.
1: He, he He's far from a room from Twilight that he can do other shit without that stink on him. I don't know. It's like
0: Batman and Robin <coughs> they did that movie. and
1: what, Chris O'Connell?
0: Yeah, and George Clooney as Batman.
1: Come on. Yeah, but all those Batmans are terrible.
0: Val Kilmer? Bad Batman.
1: Did. What was the first guy? Michael Keaton? Yeah, Michael Keaton was bad, too. All of them... Christian Bale was only like really good one.
0: I don't know. I think Michael Keaton was a good Batman. For like the time and for what they wanted him to be. Like, Not like a... He didn't look like a jacked superhero. He looked like an everyman who was like
1: a rich guy. And he was also like... But that's unbelievable. Some everyman... Like, I'm sorry, you're not going to put on a bat suit and go beat the fuck out of, like, seven armed criminals. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, like, when's the last time
0: you saw those movies? Uh, like, the trilogy or the, or the first the Like, ones? Batman and Batman Returns. Oh, fuck, I was a kid. Right. So, like, I think that, like, when you watch, if you watch those movies back, you'll see that, like, his fighting is, like, rudimentary, right? It's, like, showing that, like, Bruce Wayne is a guy who's, like, getting all these other tools in place to be an effective superhero in the sense that like he's stopping criminals, not that like he's gone off to a mountain to train with Ra's al Ghul and like the shadows or whatever they're called.
1: Yeah, was,
0: uh, League of shadows. League of shadows, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that really something that we're going to believe that Bruce Wayne took off for a year to go train in like the Himalayas? To well, become... He took
1: off to be a criminal and to live a criminal, to get in the mind of a criminal first. That's the most unrealistic part, but right? so, I love that movie.
0: There's some liberties taken with the Christian Bale Batman that, like, I think myself included will ignore because it's the best Batman series, yeah, by far. But I, I think if you think about like what we were talking about earlier with Batman, like how he's not a guy who has like superhuman strength or whatever, like that was the vein they took with Michael Keaton. Yep, yeah,
1: Christian Bale didn't
0: superhuman. He was just but he's also like a jacked guy and like he's a method actor that for sure got in the mindset of like Batman and the comic books as like a jacked guy. Like that's the one that he chose. So I think like if that's just how I, th- I see it, right. It's just that like he is the guy who has like the money and the resources and got all that stuff set up. And that's how he's fighting crime. Not because he himself is like a skilled martial artist or anything like that. So it's just a different Batman.
1: If you're not a skilled martial artist, that you're not
0: gonna last long. That's why he has all those guns and those bat all those and all that. Got the, the 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 gun that he shoots a the cable. Gun. Yeah. So he's got that. It's got the Batmobile. That has weapons in it. <laughs> yeah. He pays the money, he gets the toys. That's his superpower. The tumbler is a way better Batmobile too. First first mm-hmm. you get the money, then you get the power. <laughs> then you get the power. <laughs> That's it. Um, you said something just before that that I wanted to talk about and I can't remember what you were talking about it, it had to do with the Batman thing Oh, about how like female actresses in the Marvel, not necessarily female actresses actors in the Marvel universe Like that's how I feel about Anne Hathaway she is my, like you absolutely cannot be in any movie I like because you're annoying, <laughs> everything about you I find annoying, I think that like if we were at a party I would find you annoying you try like we. I have a conversation because I'm a social person, and then find you annoying and find a way to get away from you, and then tell everybody about how annoying you are. <laughs> that is the vibe I get off of her in all of her movies and all the interviews she does. She is the person. Like, we've had these conversations already. Like before we we hit record about like song you hate the most that other people like or like actress that you like or actor that you like or don't like so like she's the one she's my anti like no thank you i don't want any part of it she's you're annoying she's Anne, your matt damon. yeah exactly dave does not like matt damon but so matt damon. he he ran a whole trivia category about fight scenes and didn't include one jason Bourne fight scene so he's got some he's got some watching to do before he brings back another trivia category like that never i'm yeah. never gonna watch those movies Uh, We keep referencing trivia, so it's just a quick heads up. So uh, with the pandemic hitting, we uh, would see each other on a semi-frequent basis, and then obviously, like, all stuck at home, we decided to do some sports trivia, and we did that on Zoom, like, basically weekly for six months, and then took a little break, and then we brought it back, and then people who sucked at sports trivia asked to do non-sports trivia, just like trivia in general, so now it's just trivia in general, and people will complain about that, too. And uh so whoever wins that week of trivia, they're in charge of the questions for the next week. So um and then I kept winning, so then people started volunteering for the questions. People like me who won once like the second week, we did it and never since. And uh so Dave did a category on fight scenes, which was cool, but it didn't include Jason Bourne. And then I just found out tonight that the reason why Jason Bourne hasn't made an appearance, or Matt Damon in general, is because Dave's got his hate on from Matt Damon. Yeah, he's the worst. I just feel like this is, like, a arbitrary comment. Like, I, what's the precipitating event? Like, what's the event that you're like, you know what, Matt Damon, not cool?
1: Uh, his whole existence. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, you just get, same with an athlete. You just get a vibe off people that, you, you know, I don't like that person, so.
0: That's too bad. You're missing out on some good stuff. Maybe not The Martian. People like that movie. I didn't love it, but Goodwill Hunting. He hasn't seen Goodwill Hunting because of this, and like that's an amazing movie. He needs to get over his Matt Damon to just watch that movie. There's other people in there that you'd like. Robin Williams is in it. You have to like Robin, Robin Williams. Was a bit funny? Uh, he says some funny stuff. He, he brings humor in situations where it's not supposed to be funny, and he does it because that's what he always did. So here's the awkward pause. Uh, some, some of the other things that, like, we had, so something to find out here is I'm a planner. Dave's not necessarily a planner. He likes to ad-lib and go by uh, the seat of his pants a bit. So other things that, like, you'll find out about us very quickly is that, like, I'm a team LeBroner, so, like, I like LeBron. I support LeBron. I think what he does is good for the sport. Dave, on the other hand, I'll let him describe how he feels about
1: LeBron James. He's a self-absorbed egomaniac who does things that are in, that are disguised as good for everyone, and really, he only gives a shit about himself. So, do you feel this way about Michael Jordan? But he didn't even hide it. He was just a, he was just an asshole who wanted to win, and he was an and he he's self admitted asshole.
0: So so the issue is that you think LeBron is putting
1: on the nice guy persona. Yeah. Well, he doesn't necessarily have to be Jordan in the sense of like the way he pushes teammates or anything like that. But yeah, like he just seems very phony. So the thing that like has brought this like
0: to the forefront for many of our discussions is the, the, comments that LeBron James makes about rest and how this season was sort of like pushed onto to them after a very short turnaround and so like I've been of the camp of like yeah like he's advocating for people and Dave has been suggesting and saying that it is because
1: he's outside he's outside the limelight
0: and he wants to put back on him so he wants, he wants to be relevant in the media
1: so how do you feel about him showing up to support Chris Paul last game that's fine. As far as I know, he just sat in the stands. I don't think he did anything crazy. So you don't
0: think that's a remain in the spotlight while he's not in the finals? No, lots of people go to games.
1: It's not a big deal. It was just weird. It was awkward timing that he waited until like the week after he was out of the playoffs to care about or not care because he said other things, but like his most recent comment about rest was after this team was eliminated. And I just don't think that if he was if he was the Sun if the Lakers were there instead of the Suns right now, he wouldn't be talking about rest. His often injured teammate got hurt for the hundred millionth time and he wanted to complain. And that's how he chose to do it. Do you think that his own injury had anything to do with him being more vocal?
0: Cause he's talked about that Which high ankle way. sprain and how the ankle like his ankle will never
1: be the same again. <laughs> Um, I don't know he's also 36 years old I'm 36 years old man I don't know like also the biggest problem is his his own best friend Chris Paul said that you're like the most powerful guy in basketball if you didn't want to play you could have swayed everybody not to play but everybody agreed they wanted to make their money so you don't get to come to a collective decision and then bitch about it later.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I can see that. I just also see it that like so many athletes that are in his position haven't used their platform to like speak out on things. And like, he received a lot of criticism for that earlier in his career. And now he's like at the point where like he's reaching the end. So I think he's like finding a way like, yes, to stay relevant. I would say like, that's definitely part of it, but I don't think that that's, there, there's an issue with that. Um, to like also advocate for these young guys that are gonna come in, like Devin Booker, like those guys, Donovan Mitchell, um, that are gonna need that Trey Young. They're gonna need that sort of like older leadership because Kobe was supposed to do that for people, I think. And like when he died, he like left a big vacuum of someone to do that. Like Michael Jordan has never been that person. He's never going to be that person but Kobe looked like he was like going to fill that role because so many people were going to him, right? Like the guys that just named like Trey Young definitely was affected by Kobe, Devin Booker definitely affected by him. So I think LeBron's maybe filling, trying to fill a void there. That was up behind because even LeBron was going to him.
1: Yeah. I have no knowledge of like, like, I can't speak to who was going to Kobe. I don't know anything about that. Um, Well, like, that's
0: what I've, like, that's what I've seen. Like, that's what I've heard. Like, especially around his death, like tons of NBA players were coming out saying like, oh, like he was helping me with my game. Like I would go out to see him or like when we were in town, like I would pick his brain about it. And like, he definitely wasn't that guy through most of his career. Like he was just not that guy. He very much had the same sort of drive. Like, I'm going to like push you until you're going to break. And if you break, then you're not my guy. But if you stick with me, then you become my guy. And people will say that about him, I think. But um, near the end there, like that mentorship role, he just seemed to be way more involved in that. And the players talked about it. And I think maybe LeBron sees himself in that space. And people have been calling on him. So I think it'd be different if all of a sudden he's like, you know what, I'm going to be the guy. But people are like always on him, like, why do not you say anything? And that was a criticism of Michael Jordan, too. And Jordan just said, yeah, that's not who I am.
1: Whereas yeah, he- I remember in the last dance, read, there was, I can't remember the political thing that was going on, but he just like very famously refused to talk about it. But I also, like, the thing that he's advocating for, this rest is like a temporary thing. It's all brought on by the shortened seasons and them trying to get as much games in so they can make money. Yeah, the owners are interested in making money, but if the owners don't make money, the cap goes down and everybody suffers. So it's in everyone's best interest to play. And that's what they all agree to. Do you think that they're worried about how
0: it works in other pro leagues where, like, leagues are getting extended? Or, like, even that their season for some teams, like LeBron's technically got extended because there's the play-in now for 7-8 and eight and 9-10, and 10, right? Do you think that they're worried that in order for the owners to make more money, they're going to add more time in terms of games that they're going to be playing? And then that will actually shorten their offseason. I know that at this point it's only, like, one or two games, right? But, like, one or two games can very quickly become
1: ten games. Well, oh, yeah, it's always expand. Yeah, this is... – <clears throat> I've never really looked at it that way before because even baseball played with something. Well, they added a second wild card team uh, a couple of years ago. And then last year they even had – I can't remember exactly that, but they, like, more teams than normal made the playoffs and. Yeah, it's a convenient way for owners to make more money because you're know, paying them for that, right? Classic.
0: That's a that's the ice maker. We'll, we'll iron out those kinks in the future. Yeah, I really picked that up. <laughs> the mic works, guys. <laughs> the fucking ice maker got picked up better than I have to. Uh, but yeah, to to bring it back to what we were saying, like so. Uh, yeah, definitely. Owners want to make more money, and if they make more money, the cap goes up, and then the players can potentially make more money based on like the contracts that they sign. Um, but again, like that would be the criticism is that if you add two games and like, well, we added two already. Like maybe we should add four more. And I know that like we've had this conversation again off off the mic, but that the NFL has done that with the playoffs and the regular season now, and they're just reducing preseason games to say like, oh, like more games that matter. But then eventually, like, the move's going to be for these owners to do the same thing across all four of the major four sports, I think.
1: Yeah. At least in the case of the NFL, they added regular season games, which will affect revenue in in a way that will affect the cap. Um, but yeah, the NFL is different. Like that whole system is fucked. The whole being the most violent sport on the planet and having non-guaranteed contracts and people just getting cut and making no money after they fucking blow their knee out. Like the whole system is fucked up. Yeah. It's sad. Well, it's sad to see like any of these sports
0: where like the guys that are there and like they have like, and we only ever really hear about like the stars when they like get devastating injuries and like, they're never the same and they kind of fade away. Kind of like like Derek Rose hasn't really faded away. He's still playing. And he's still very good. But like Brendan Roy, right. Like, yeah. That guy was amazing. He, like, had no knees left, had retired, and, like, what's that
1: guy doing now? Yeah, right? I don't know. Like, Except no has, that he, like, he was around long enough that he made good money. You'd hope, right? Like, again,
0: like, we've also had this conversation that, like, these people will earn, like, like not to, like, belittle this amount because it's significant. Like, say they earn, like, $14 million, right? Like, off, like, a rookie deal only. Or, like, they signed a rookie deal for, like, what, $25 million, $30 million? I'm not sure. Right, like say, like say, even say that that's the amount, right? Then, like they have to, like use that money for the next X amount of years if they choose to, like not find another job, right? Like that's why, like so many of these um, athletes will like invest in property or buy like a million Papa Johns. So that's something that uh, people like will forget, and like that's so, like that these are the stars, or like even like people who are like mid-level stars, like Jamal Mashburn like a guy that like was a decently good basketball player. And he ended up buying a bunch of restaurants because he knew his career would run out and he needed to like maintain the lifestyle that he wanted. So that's what he did to keep himself afloat and knew that like basketball was going to run out and that he could get injured at any moment. And like there are guys that are below that, like they don't have that idea in their mind, right? Like the, the 14th guy on the roster Right, like they get a devastating injury, and then what?
1: Yeah, but isn't that some of that on the player? Like you you're handing somebody—not handing, because they all work incredibly hard. But like you give somebody a contract. So the first—I was just looking at The first overall pick this year, over three years, will make roughly like almost thirty million dollars. Nice, my thirty million the, estimate was accurate. The thirtieth pick will make like five in the first three years. But like, even you hand someone five million dollars over three years, if, I guess, they're, like they're young when they get it, but like, you, why do we have to spoon feed everybody? Like, why is it the owner's problem if they take the money, the incredible amount of money that they earn, and they just piss it away?
0: Yeah, I'm not even talking about the people who are like, living extravagant lifestyles. Like, I'm talking about like that 30th pick so he gets 5 million dollars right and so like if they're living that life like they're not even living like an extravagant life but like then that's the money that they're holding on to for the rest of their like working like they they earned 5 million at the beginning of their career so say yeah, they work they're 30 years like
1: 22 it's if, if if they only play their first year or their first contract they're like 24 at the oldest or not even like like 22, 23, when that contract runs out, if you think you're going to, anybody who thinks that they're just going to retire from basketball, like 22 years old and not have to fucking work ever again, they just have an unrealistic view of the world to begin with.
0: Well, I feel like that's the, the image that gets sold to them. Is that like, once you make it to the pros and like, that's it, it's cakewalk. And like, whether that's, um, whoever's presenting that to them, like, I feel like that's the problem with the whole system, right? Like, from as early as being scouted in high school. Right? Like that's what they're selling to the kids. They're not selling, hey, like, this is a way to like create generational wealth for your family. They're not talking about like, hey, this is a great way to like invest in things that will provide a better life for your family. It's like, hey, you are good at sports. We'll pay you money for the sports. We're not gonna help you in any other way develop a way to like adjust to a new lifestyle. And like basketball specifically, I think, has that issue. I think football specifically has that issue. I would say, like, even baseball at times will have that issue. Like, I don't really hear about this too much with hockey, but that's just also because I don't spend as much time in hockey. The, the salaries are much lower in hockey as well, but... Are they more I guaranteed? Hopefully. And I think I think that's also, like, a big deal. In basketball, I know they're guaranteed as well. Um, I just think that... The people who are making the millions of dollars, they'll be okay. Like, there are people... Because you said the 30th pick makes $5 million in the first round.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, if you go in the second round, yeah. how much further does it drop I think down? the website I looked at only had the first round. But. So, I think, like, that's also something that happens. Is, right? Like, these first but round... Your, guys, per-
1: your perspective, like... Your perspective, if you get picked in the second round... You have to know that you're not a star player. In the NBA, there's not a ton of second-round picks turn out to be superstars. So your whole mindset has to be different. Right? You can't, can't sit there thinking, oh, I'm going to skate for the next 15 years. I'm going to make $100 million, And million. You're probably going to be... Most of those guys, they play their whatever average amount of time, four or five years, they make... What in five years they probably make six or seven million bucks, deduct taxes and what you have to pay your agent, and yeah, and then you have to figure out what to do with that after that. Right, I think th- I think what I was trying to say there was that
0: they're not being sold that that they're going to be like a a role player.
1: Well, what about the guys that don't even make it that far? What right. The guys who blow their whole fucking life, no, like they skate through school, they don't pay attention. Thinking they're a superstar when really they were at some division two school and they didn't make the NBA and now what are they supposed to do? Well, I think those guys are more negatively affected than the guys who well, actually make it. Well, I think that like that I think that's where I was
0: going with it is like the whole setup for it, like the promotion of like making it is about like you're good at sports, you get paid. That's what they're talking about. Have you seen Last Chance You? No, on Netflix. So, like, again, it's the football example, but, like, I think it could work for basketball as well. Any of these sports, really. So, basically, these guys, for the most part, are uh, people who are looking to... It's a junior college, and they are really good at creating, like, peak performance for the team. Like, a team hasn't lost in, like, five years, ten years. And then they create all the tapes, and they get scouted, so they can go play like div one or div two. And then from there, like potentially make it into the NFL. And like, all they're doing is selling the dream. And like, these are people who are like not likely to get to the NFL. Like they're selling the dream of getting to like div one or div two in the hopes of getting to the NFL. And like when those athletes talk, those student athletes talk, they're talking like, yeah. Like, so like, that's where I was going with it. Like, I know that that's, what's happening with these athletes all the way through should there be some more accountability and ownership and agency from the players absolutely but like the system is created like they're just working within it like and that's why it takes like these superstars like to circle right back to bron bron is like it takes a guy like that to say the things that he's saying to like make changes and it's not just gonna be him. Like I'm not saying he's gonna be the one that can make all the changes. It's gonna take all the superstars sort of saying that same message
1: to get the reform. But didn't there say anything that would that would combat what you're talking about? What do you mean by that? Like what is LeBron ever said to change the way like if you I only watched, like the first like thirty minutes of his movie, but he has instills the same you have to only think about basketball, working at basketball all the time mentality that he was taught to his own kids, according to some fucking movie he was in, but I don't imagine if he's that involved in the creation of the movie, I don't imagine it's that far off how he treats Ronnie Jr. I don't know his other kid's name. Because he's the basketball player. Oh, yeah, he's the one closest to the NBA. <laughs> um,
0: Well, I think his name is Brawny. Yeah. Well, it's just LeBron James Jr. Brawny's just the... So it's just... He doesn't get called Bron Bron. That's a thing now. Um, I, I think it's, like, the things that he does outside of that, like, creating the school in Akron. And, like, now he's getting those kids, like, into university. Like, that's the kind of stuff where, like, he's showing people that, like, it's not just, like be good at, like, a skill, get the money. Like, you got to, like, develop the person. He's developing people now. Like, it's going to take more than just one superstar to be doing those things and make it, like, that open to being, like, visible for it to, like, change, like, the system of, like, student-athletes. Like, um, the athletes really come out of Akron. Well, I think that's... But, like, you know what I mean? Like, he just constantly focuses on the idea that he's from Akron, but I mean, it doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, They're just doing the work. I know he's just yanking my chain, right? He calls himself the kid from Akron, right? But like, who else can you think of that's doing that kind of work?
1: There's, a, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I've heard of a couple, but yeah, that many. Right? So I think that's where it, he wants that it to be. happens way more in baseball, where you see like, <clears throat> like Vlad Guerrero, for example, was coached. Everyone like it's like oh he's Vlad Guerrero's kid, but his he was like really taught by his uncle Wilton, and like, his uncle Wilton runs a program down there, and like so I think a lot of the uh, South American players, they'll take their wealth and their knowledge, and they'll go back home when they're done playing, and live like kings partly, but also they like really help their communities and like work in, in programs to like help other players get the same opportunities that they got. Yeah. So like, it's not a school. Like they're not, it's kind of the same as, I guess it's kind of the same as the problem, other problems is you're gearing it all the only towards the sport and not the education and everything like that. But
0: Right. So like, I think that just kind of like sums up what I was saying is like the idea, like changing the mindset that's not just about like, the sport and like being gifted in the sport, or like having the skill set to be successful as a professional athlete. Like there's other things you need to know to be like a functioning adult that many people can be missing. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna have stats to back up what I'm saying here, but the idea that like people need guidance and they don't always get it, especially in a situation like that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, when I need guidance. Like, I have my parents, not my in-laws. It's not like these guys get famous and they lose any support system that they had growing up. If they need help, they should be asking for it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I've heard some
0: of the stories where, like, like especially like, watching a movie, like, have you seen Friday Night Lights? I haven't seen Friday Night Lights. This guy guy says he loves movies, he hasn't seen all these movies, i got to find this list. Maybe uh, that can be something that we have as a future topic, is uh, movies that John or Dave have not seen, and then watching them and seeing the reaction, and like,
1: talking about that after the fact. My so, movie watching started at a certain age, and so everything after that, I've seen a lot, but if we're talking about things in like my early teens, basically before I met my wife, like I didn't go to the movies all the time, that became something that her and I like to do all the time. That was, like, probably 90% of our date nights was going to a movie. Even, like, dinner before probably as well, but, like, we we just loved going to watch movies together. But, like, when I was a kid, my parents didn't really... I had Disney movies at home, but I was like, yeah, my parents don't watch movies. I was too busy to go watch movies with my friends or whatever, so. Right.
0: Well, what I was going to say is that in Friday Night Lights, there's a bunch of those students that get that sort of like kind of put on them, that they're going to be the ones that pull their family out. And then like that family, like magically gets bigger as they receive more success or like their entourage gets bigger. And then it's like, okay, so sometimes, yes, there, you can see that the athletes that are successful, right? Because they're successful. I mean, they are well put together. They, they, know what to say to the interviews, like they're not finding themselves in trouble. You know what I mean? So like they have a good support system, whether that's actual family or their agent or um, their friends or whoever, whoever it is, the organization's taking care of them, right? Those people are doing fine. But it's really like those people who like don't have that and they're just sort of like plucked out of situation. And then like these new people are the people they're beginning to trust and like do whose interest do they have in their In their minds, whether it's like a booster at a university or a scout at an organization, like, do they want that person to be happy and successful? Sure, they do, because I'm assuming they're not terrible human beings. But when it all comes down to it, like, if they're ready to move on from this person, they're ready to move on from that person. And then that's it. And then that person's like left there. Yes, with their millions of dollars, left with their millions of dollars, like, no one there to help them through to like securing a new position. Can they interview? Do you know what to say? Right.
1: That's kind of who helped you interview.
0: I I went and did the work. Like I learned how to do it. But at like, it's different for me because like I didn't have like this like millions of dollars out, or this out of this world <laughs> talent that people just sort of like keyed in on me. Right. Like these people are being recruited by anyone and everyone and being told that they're like the best and the greatest and the strongest and the fastest. Like no one's coming to me being like you know what. You're the strongest talker. You know what? You're the most emotive person here. You know what? Like, you know lots about random things. Like, no one's ever... We come do to all it. say that too. Yeah, like, behind my back, I don't hear this. It's most of the time just like, oh, he knows something else. Uh, so, like, I think that's also the difference, right? Like, I like, I need to find ways to do that where, like, not everyone, but again, like, there's less... T- there's less places where like they need to actually go and do those things because people have already come to them and say, you know what? Let me handle that for you. You know what? Let me handle that for you. And like, yeah, part of that is like, they should be more involved, but like, I'm going to go back to LeBron. Like his focus is like his body, like his off season. is just like recovery and working out so that his body is ready for the next season. So like, does he want to talk about like all these other business things? He's like, no, I got a guy for that. I got a guy for that. And like, If you move down the ladder to, like, these, like, mid-level guys, they also have people who are not nearly as skilled giving them the same kinds of information. So I think that's something that I don't think I can understand because I don't live that life.
1: So where are you placing the the responsibility for teaching these things? I think it starts from, like,
0: in high school. Like, when they find these student-athletes that are super um talented and have a potential to go to um like play div one or potentially have a professional career like they should be not just selling them the dream but the dream can go hand in hand with some of these skills that are gonna not put them in like difficult situations i think that's something that's missing
1: I don't know. Stuff because
0: Right, like we see like we see it in like lots of other areas too. Like it's not just dedicated to sports, right? Like entertainment is also this, right? Like young people who come oh, into yeah, money.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And like they, there's always some sort of like there are people who kinda like either keep it behind closed doors and have a great team that can like kind of keep it away from the public There are people who are just, like, straight and narrow, like, they can just sort of keep themselves because, one, they come from a great background, they come from a strong support system, they found a strong support system, and then there's, like, the people who, like, can't seem to get away from these really, like, tough spots, whether it's, like, addiction issues or mental wellness issues or not budgeting well, like, they're just all of a sudden blowing their money or they're saying things that perhaps they haven't fully thought through and then, like, that happens right? Like, that's just entertainment and um, sports. Like, music, the same thing, right? Just getting messed up. I don't know anything about, like, the business world, but I can't imagine that, like, there are times where, like, if the Wolf of Wall Street is anywhere accurate to, like, any level of intensity in terms of, like, what they have to do to perform or making the deals or, like, to be social at these parties, like, I don't know, there's like heavy drug and alcohol use, there's plenty of questionable behavior there too, right? So I think it's just like once you get some money, it seems to like make decisions a little more challenging. And I don't think I'm gonna get to a place where I'm gonna have to worry
1: about that. Yeah, me <clears throat> so We spoke about LeBron enough already, I think. Yeah, you said something about people about athletes who have like their answers prepared. They're, they're good at nothing is more boring to me than listening to like an athlete interview who just like gives all canned responses and like, I, don't know, I just if I never listen to another athlete interview the rest of my life, I'll never be like, Oh, I wonder what that guy like, had to say. So do you think that that's
0: them and like they don't have a bigger vocabulary and they know that those are easy talking points so that they're just sticking to that? Or do you think that they're being told to talk about that stuff?
1: I think it's both. I think that there's a ton of athletes who don't have the ability to string two thoughts together. Um, I also think that there's a lot of coaching that goes along. Same as they're told, oh, you're amazing. You have to be this great athlete. They also are told, well, if you want to be a great athlete who can get a ton of endorsements, you have to stay out of trouble, <clears throat> and teams don't like making bulletin board material, so they're saying, just shut up, say these five different responses over and over again, and hopefully people stop asking
0: you questions so then do you do you like someone like Barry Bonds?" Or Marshawn Lynch that seemed to be like aloof or like confrontational or
1: hostile with. I the love media. Barry Bonds. Barry, Barry Bonds and the way he treated me never. I was we were pretty young when when he was like really big, but like I never had a problem with Barry Bonds. I love Barry Bonds. He was, he was my favorite player of that era. It's a stupid question. I'm not gonna answer that. It's a stupid question. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so i get fine. It's like some of the most hilarious stuff that. I've because they're being themselves? Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's what I like to, if, they, if everyone was there showing their personality, or the ones that have a personality anyways, then that would be fine. But they don't. They all just give... Especially hockey's the worst. They all give the most boring fucking responses, and nothing... No real... Anything of substance is said. But it's also like... Reporters like to suck their own dick, and give the most ridiculous, elaborate questions like, oh, in the fifty-six fifty sixth minute of the game you did use like you kinda of turned your skate blade in this one direction where normally you turn it in the other direction. What do you think how do you think that affected your speed? Like this they try to like way over dissect something that probably was just him fucking catching an edge. And like I don't know, they just, I don't know what they expect from, from the players are getting like a seventy-minute response about like all the film they did, and this is why they did it this way. Like that's just not realistic, and and no one really wants to listen to that either in real life. Like, so the part of the blame is the questions that are being asked. And you don't
0: think that the players have the wherewithal to care about the extra-long question? Yeah. So, like what happens when someone says all those things? And like that is their personality. So much I can do. <laughs> it's kind of stuck. So Sidney Crosby, he's notorious for cliches, cliché talk. Do you think that that's coaching and, like, planned, or that's who he
1: actually is? I think he's both. He, <clears throat> I think it started at least as, like, coaching, but he's big enough now he can say whatever he wants and no one can tell him not to, and he chooses to still give the same oh, get pucks deep, you know, gotta give it her all for 60 minutes. Same shit that Letterkenny did a whole season making fun of. Like, just... See, and I think for Sidney
0: Crosby specifically, that that's who he is. I think yeah. he he didn't need any coaching. He's He just has always heard that, and it's just something he's latched onto and hasn't had to develop anything beyond that in terms of, like, communicating with people, because they all just want to know, like, what's your effort? What's your skill? Like, what happened? Did you win? Why are you winning? So what's he going to say? You know, get the puck in deep, cycle it back, you know, win the battles down low, win the face-off's important, you know, uh, limit the turnovers, limit the penalties. Like, I could run a hockey interview, and I haven't played one official hockey game my entire life just watching Sidney Crosby clubs. Uh, So, like, picking on him specifically, I just think that's his personality. Like, there's not much more there. Like, yeah, even those commercials like those Tim Hortons commercials
1: where like there's an opportunity for him to have a personality he has none and Nathan McKinnon's no better he's just sitting there they both in that stupid Zamboni with the stupid dumb look on their face right and I think like that's the fucking person at the window has more personality than these two guys
0: yeah and I think that other sports I think we're seeing the personalities more like baseball's got some personalities I really enjoy that like even like Munenori, what's his name Kawasaki is that his name
1: yeah
0: like that guy full of personality. Like gave great interviews. Like didn't understand half the things he said, but the things that it did say, I was like, that's funny. Shaq. Have you seen those Shaq interviews? Yeah. Those are pretty good. Cause he was always, uh, ready to throw down with the media. Like my favorite is like the poison. I don't know. It was like a, it's like if there was a, a poisonous snake, like bit your, um, Teammate, like, would you suck the venom out? And he's like, Why would you ask me a question like that? If that was your if that was your mom's chest, I'd suck it out of her chest. And like that was his response or something along those lines. And it was hilarious because he was like, I'm gonna just play with you. Like not in a mean way, it was very playful, but it was hilarious because
1: he's like, so. example of some asshole reporter thinking he's clever and like just fucking write the words on the page and tell us who won and lost. Shut the fuck up.
0: Yeah, see I think it's hard for some of those people, right? There's like the people who are annoying and will do that and it'll come off as annoying. And there's the people who are like really good at their job and they'll ask that same question. They'll be like, Hey man, this guy didn't ask like the regular question. Or like this person didn't ask the regular question. I don't think. Like the snake one's a bad one. That's, yeah, not, the really one, bad. Like, that's not me like if die like... <laughs> on this hill about the snake question, <laughs> but I mean like some other ones. Maybe about... if like Dave Chappelle asked that question, he could have made it funny, but like, Right? Like, so, like, Cabby, for example. He would do uh, stuff like so that. so annoying. See, like, I can hate him. So, like, he... Some him of the and Jerry stuff, D. Just... Some of the stuff was annoying, sure, but there's definitely times, like, especially some of his interviews with Kobe, again, like, he had a good rapport with him. Like, if he did that with other people, it wouldn't come off the same way, but they clearly understood each other, and so, like, he'd ask that random stuff, and then he'd get great material. So I think sometimes it just depends on, like, a lot of things, actually, but, like, mood of the player. Like, if you're going to ask a dumb question off a loss, like, you're looking to get, like, ripped up. But if it's off of a win, a big win, uh, like, you know that that person's had a conflict with someone on the other team, and, like, you're asking a question like that, I think it can come off well.
1: So but, again, I mean, it takes skill. So coming off of losing a game in the finals, you shouldn't ask how your teammate feel, or how you feel about your teammate losing, or something like that, whatever. There's the reporter asked, "How asked Booker, um, how disappointed are you for Chris Paul? Oh, yeah. It's this yeah. loss. like, I'm not going to answer that question.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's not something you, that's not something you ask. That's a bad question for sure. You gotta, you gotta know that that's not going to get anything that you yeah. want. Like, even that soundbite, that's like, what do you expect him to say? Yeah. He loves Chris Paul. Like, I don't know if you've seen like the comments that he's made or DeAndre Ayton's made about how like, Devin Booker's special is, like, idolized Chris Paul I like yo I can't believe I'm playing with Chris Paul like Chris Paul came to their house his house and he's, yeah. like, he's like yo like to his boys like yo like Chris Paul is here he's at my house like I never thought this would happen like that's gotta be pretty uh pretty crazy to think about and like of course he's gonna go to bat for him like I've only ever heard that Chris Paul's an incredible leader so yeah he's
1: the best i love, always loved Chris Paul but you bring up the eight, it reminds me, I wanted to ask you, and not in like a critical way, I want to compare Giannis' block the other night to LeBron's dollar block, and what you thought was more impressive.
0: So like, it, like for me, it, there's two ways to look at it. It's like, the situation, so like, one was a game seven, right? One was a game, what, five? Yeah. Right, so like that's different. So, if we're comparing it, like, in terms of, like,
1: what, main, what like importance... What time of the game did the Iguodala one happen? I also I just can't remember. End
0: of the game. It was a very like end like, of the- like, two minutes to go. Like, same sort of time frame. Well, there was, like, ten seconds in the other one. So, like, in the final two minutes, where the magic is happening, yeah. right? Like, the game's tight. They need, like... Like, Golden State, at that point, looked like they could have pulled away. And so, like, that's what happened with then obviously like the turnover and then he runs it down. Like, so I think the magnitude of the play higher in the game seven, cause it's a game seven. Like you go home. Yeah. If you don't make these plays, you don't score those baskets in terms of like situational awareness and like skill. It's probably Giannis because like he not only was playing defense here, then he had to like keep the space so that Booker wouldn't do his pull up. And then he still got up and blocked the alley-oop. Like,
1: yeah.
0: And he wasn't blocking a fucking shooting guard. It was seven foot two, DeAndre eight. Yeah, well, he's 7 feet. So, like... Still. Right? Like, Iguodal, like, what? LeBron's, what, 6'8"? I think
1: 9 or 10. But
0: and then Iguodal's, like, 6'6". Six six six. He's 6'8". Six he's 6'8". Six eight. Eight? So, like, so. so, like, the, the height thing, like, I'm not going to go there for. The idea that he did all that defensive work and then got up for the block, I think, is what makes that the incredible play. Like... I won't take it away. I'm not going to say that it didn't involve more skill. Like, I think what makes it the LeBron block incredible is like the turnover. And then like, I don't know how many times I've watched this. Close and, the closing speed. The clo- like he sprints and then he shortens up his stride to like time it so that he can block it on the backboard. And he did it so he wouldn't get a goaltending call and all that kind of stuff in that moment. Like the pressure, like that's what makes that impressive not the idea that, like, he was also playing defense, like...
1: Yeah.
0: So like guarding, like, three different options at the same time. Right. So, like, that's what makes uh, Giannis, like, incredible. And then the other stuff is what makes LeBron's incredible. So, like... But if you're going to ask me, like, which one has a bigger impact, I still think it's the Game 7, because it's Game 7. And, like, this could turn out... The Game 5 block could turn out to be that turning point, because a lot of people are like, oh, this game five season's over. Yeah. Right? Like, that was the turning point, was that game five, because Phoenix could have closed the door after running up 16, and they gave it up. And then Milwaukee gave it up, but, like, when it came down to it, who could close? It was Milwaukee. I think that was pretty damaging for the Suns, so...
1: Well, it looks like it did really turn the series, because I just looked they won tonight. Spoiler alert, Greek Freak gets his ring. Yeah. So... Well, spoiler we're recording after it happened. well for me. But uh Well you're recording the game. No, you? but uh I, I uh did not I d
0: I didn't I don't have any of my notifications on, so not a big deal. But yeah, it def- definitely turned the series. So that's what they were saying after that anyways that whole game. Yeah. That uh whoever won that one because Phoenix got two and then obviously Milwaukee got there too so whoever got that one was you can kind of see it in the the Suns players, too, that they kind of... I guess. Well, Booker looked like he wasn't making some of the shots that he'd been making that series in that uh, Game 5. He, he had some looks that just wouldn't drop, so I think he had some tired legs.
1: He, he'd run his course, so... Paul must have been hurt. You think so? I don't know. I was, saw, I was watching TV eating dinner today, and he had, like double the amount of turnovers the series as any other series leading up to it. And just either he's like an all time choke artist or something was wrong. You don't think it's game planning? Mm-hmm.
0: There's a lot of active hands that I saw with like Drew Holiday and even Chris Middleton mm-hmm. and obviously like Gianni's like just being so big. Well didn't
1: like Kawhi guard Paul? Or no I guess you would have guarded Poker. That's what I thought. well Kawhi was injured. Right, his knee was his, yeah. his
0: knee was all busted up. Right, he missed what the like the last, last two series, games. Yeah. Right, so um, and like he must have been injured before that too. That's what I think. Like Kawhi was, like I don't know. I think he Kawhi's been injured since uh, he like jolted his knee on that dunk against Milwaukee in the conference finals when he was on the Raptors. I think he's like been his knees been messed up since then. He's just been managing it. So a like, long time to
1: be injured without fixing. That's like two full off seasons to not fix it. Well,
0: not two full ones because he had a rushed uh, off season between the bubble and this season. Right. Um, but I think like me, that's just me looking at it. But like even then when he made that dunk, and it was on Giannis too. I'm pretty sure like his knee just like was hyperextended and like he kind of limped around and didn't look the same even then. So I wonder if like, it's just like recurring and then like he finally got like the injury that's like, okay, I'm really messed up now. So I I don't know the details about who's guarding who, but I know that he wasn't there for most, like most of it or half of it because they got
1: swept. So, They swept that one. Phoenix? No, they swept. No, they didn't sweep. They, they swept like the Jazz. Game. They swept the Jazz because the guy got in a fight in the stands. Right. And yelled "sons of a Right. Um. So then, yeah, they lost. They lost in
0: six two. So then he missed over half, right? Because they he played the first two and then didn't play the Did last. He only three? two. I think so. Yeah, it
1: could be. So. Yeah, and I guess he played an injured Jazz. and... They had, I guess, they had an easier route than what you would normally expect, but right because they also played the Lakers, right, and
0: the Lakers were all banged up too. Yeah. So, could be, it could be that it could be that like they just got to the end of their like energy, or it could be coaching too, that the the Bucks just had their answers.
1: Yeah. Because the Andrew could be a better on-ball defender than he's faced the rest of the
0: postseason. He, he's looked very good. He's really like turned up his performance. Him especially and Middleton. But I feel like people are just too high on Middleton. He's just a guy for me
1: that's there. He's just a guy who can shoot, really. So yeah, stuff they really give Phoenix uh, injury uh, injury excuses when Jonas shouldn't even be able to walk right now i can't believe that he came back like after seeing that knee bend i was like ooh,
0: that's a wills McGahey type bend yeah and uh the fact that like he was getting like around the clock treatment i don't even want to know what that sounded or looked like to be getting that kind of treatment on a knee injury like that like that would be so painful because like when people like yeah like they're receiving treatment like every single day like 12 hours a day i'm like Like, the treatment isn't, like, a gentle massage. No. And, like, I think that gets missed on people, too. like, treatment's, like, hard and painful. Like, to get through to that point so like it can stimulate the body to, like, repair or recover. Not interested. Not interested in that. I don't even stretch before soccer. (laughs) So, and I don't stretch after soccer. So, I don't even want to know what this, like, post-game or break, like, in-between game treatment
1: would look like. Uh, He has to be a robot. I don't know how... He didn't tear every ligament in his knee. Greek Freak. Well, maybe he did. He's just playing on, like... That's possible. He's just playing on, like, a super busted knee. I guess we'll see in the next couple days what they, like... The next six months with knee surgery or something like that, but... That's insane. And it's only putting up, like, 40 points every game. That's incredible. And 10, 12, 15 rebounds.
0: Yeah. For me, it'll be interesting to see, like, how sprained did they say this was. Because when they say, like your knee ligaments are sprained, they're actually just torn a little bit. So like, it'll be interesting to see like, if that's what they're saying, like, Oh, like uh, a severe sprain. And then like, he's just going to get it all repaired in the off season. I think we've done a
1: good job carrying this through. I'm I'm impressed that we went and,